Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. <laughs> Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We're a day late. Thought we'd get this podcast in a little bit earlier. So happy belated Father's Day uh, to all the listeners. Um, and then before I forget, I want to give a shout out to CBS Sports HQ's Chris Hassel. Awesome for him to get involved, you know, with the banter that was happening on Twitter uh, about rivalries. Uh, most people don't interact. So for him to interact and then to j- jump on the podcast and explain himself, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Not everybody at his level necessarily does that stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes there's an arrogance in in the industry and in it was a good sport and he happily jumped on the cast and we really appreciate it. That was that was fantastic. Had a, had a ton of fun talking to him. I understand uh, there's more Iowa people uh, that would know Chris Hassel. Uh, he used to be on a, a TV station in Des Moines. Uh, so that's kind of where he got going before he moved up in the world. Uh, speaking of Iowa, speaking about the state of Iowa, um, some pretty cool news uh, that we want to share for our, our uh, podcast sponsor, which is obviously Amador Whiskey. It's been a bit of a challenge for our our sponsor to get into the state of Iowa. Now, <clears throat> I'm only going to be able to give you just the the very basics uh, behind it, but um, Iowa is a control state. So essentially what that means is they control the spirits uh, that go in and out of the state. You you. It's not just up to any old, you know, Tom, Dick or Harry liquor store person, bar you got to get approved at the state level in order to get it in. So we have known in the past for bourbon lovers, uh, people that listen to the podcast and want to try Amador, it was pretty tough. It's going to get a lot easier uh, to find it. And the cool thing about it um, is that our guy, our guy, Brian, uh, which is our sponsor, he did a presentation to essentially the board and told them about the podcast sponsorship and he believed it helped sell the overall, you know, feeling the good feels behind Amador whiskey. And uh, anyways, long story short, a lot of people in the state of Iowa are going to be able to enjoy themselves some, some Chardonnay. Uh, I think it's great. Too bad. I don't live in Iowa. Is there something we can do about the state of Indiana? Yes. Can, can uh, we just can we make that next? And I don't know anything about these liquor laws either, but I'm guessing similar here in Indiana, they're they they have some of the goofier liquor laws in the country. I would say they're probably okay. top top you know let's say top five or ten states with the screwiest liquor laws. So hmm. I don't know what anything I can do to help. By the way, yeah, <laughs> you got a you got an Amador rep uh, in Indiana in Indiana for free. Um, I don't know where I don't know where territories end and begin, uh, you know, as far as who covers what. Uh, but certainly, and then anybody in Iowa um, do the finder option. And then the cool thing is, so the finder option is what we've talked about in the podcast before. You can go on the Amador Whiskey website and just type in, you know, find Amador and put your zip code down. Uh, or now that it is on the approved list, you can literally walk into a liquor store and hashtag ask for Amador and the, if, if a liquor store knows 
that somebody wants to drink it, they'll bring they'll they should typically bring it in uh, if you if you follow up and go get it. Um, and only been out there for two weeks in Iowa. They've already sold over forty cases of Amador into Iowa. So we we got an audience that's ready to drink the good stuff. All right, we got a we got a a loopy audience perhaps <laughs> that help that helps. Um, well, one thing you can't do when you're loopy is is go for motorcycle rides. So I how the motorcycle ride go on on Saturday? Oh boy, um, let's see. The gang picked me up from Chicago. They drove down and stopped on Dunes Highway, met him there, and we drove all the way, all around northern Indiana, southwest Michigan, drove along the lake shore and back. It was, spent eight hours on the bike. It was fantastic. So where you're at, you could go Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, all in one bike ride. Very easy to do. Wow. That's cool. I, I got to see the yeah. land. I, I got to see the new the new land that you live in. It, one, one question I just I, I just wanted to ask you is, so obviously you get the you get the bike, right? Um, you got to get the helmet, you know, to stop your brain from you know spraying everywhere. Where, where's the slippery slope? Are you you got the leather chaps getting conditioned, hanging up in the spare bedroom yet? Like, you know, you got a, a, a subscription to Biker Monthly. Like, where's how how far deep are you into it right now? Yeah, chaps are a little overkill. I mean, I think if I was horseback riding, perhaps no chaps yet. But uh, you know, you get the the armored coat is something that's nice to have. You don't have to ride with one, but it's just I know you feel a little better when you are. I would think it's nice so. to have a good pair of gloves. Those I've got some with armor on those as well. Uh, pretty much that's it. Okay. I've got motorcycle boots, some boots I specifically bought for riding, but that's about it so far. But I mean, it's. It's one of those things that becomes somewhat of an addiction once you start getting into it. You just keep buying more and more gear. I mean, the picture you just painted for me, I mean, you kind of look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator 2, you know, after yeah. he beat up the biker and all took all his clothes and hit the road. That's kind of what I'm picturing in my head. Yeah, and I tell you what, it, it feels so cool walking into a place with all that gear on. Nice. That's and what everyone, I'm getting at. Yeah. Everyone looks at you. That's they good. Just, you know, yeah, they stare. You got to own that. You got to own it. Um, and well, then yesterday... Spent the whole day at the beach, nice. which was amazing. Nice. Good for you, man. You're you're living your best life over here, it sounds like. Got, got a little sunburn going on today. Yeah, I noticed that. You do. But gotta, it, was, it was worth it. You got a little extra color than what you typically have. Uh, another shout out here. Shout out to my guy, Josh. Josh R. Do you remember in the last podcast when we recorded and we said to ourselves, when is the last time UCLA or USC even played in a cold weather game? Right? Is this yeah. even possible? Our guy Josh. Well, didn't wasn't wasn't our guest Washington State? They must have played Washington State in some cold weather game. Now Josh isn't going to be the one that's necessarily going to walk uh, look up Washington State, but he is a huge Utes fan. Now he follows Big Ten football, hence okay. the listens to the podcast. Uh, but it looks like on and this is odd, September fifteenth, two thousand seven. Mm. So middle of September. But maybe they get a little snow effect up up near the mountains in Utah would be my guess. But UCLA came into Utah, unranked Utah team. This was kind of before Utah was Utah to a little bit. They got beat 44 to 6. And I believe UCLA was pretty decent that year. So we might have a real world, you know, application of what happens when those sunny sunny, uh, Southern California teams try travel into a, a little bit cold weather environment but, but, but september 15th in salt lake city that seems 
early even for Salt Lake City. So maybe they got taken by surprise. Maybe the snowstorm they came in have. on Friday night, so they weren't prepared for it at all. I, I don't know, but shout out to Josh for for that deep di- uh, dig. Um, and then uh, last thing here is uh, we're going to talk on this podcast about the Big Ten West. Don't worry, Big Ten East fans. We'll get to you in the next podcast when we're able to record that. Uh, so we are going to do the best case scenario and worst case scenario. Just some quick hitters on each team. Uh, just kind of a fun, quick spin. And what's interesting is it's a good timing to talk about the Big Ten West. You know, slumming in the Big Ten West on this podcast. Uh, Kurt, how much did you catch? We're not going to get to slum much longer. <laughs> it, it's the le- We are moving out of the slums in, yeah. less, in less than a year. We're moving on up. <laughs> Finally. Uh, to the east side, I guess. Um, so essentially, what I I don't know how much you follow this, and this is kind of a day late, dollar short on this podcast. But boy, did it explode! Some 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 hot button topics for college football they only last like a day. This one yeah. was like a th- a three four day situation on Twitter. Uh, Tom Chattel, uh, I think it's Omaha, Omaha World Herald. I, I I can't keep all those guys straight, but I'm pretty sure that's who we were uh, writes for. I think he's written for the o- Omaha World Herald for like 50 years. I, I don't think I'm even uh, being too far out with that. So he wrote an article, and I'll be honest, I read the article pretty quick after it came out. It's not horrible, the article, uh, but the words that he used is it's it's essentially time to move on and move up in the world and not essentially be and he said it's slumming in the big 10 west and how that's a better thing for nebraska um interesting choice of words and then there was some some uh uh, podcast interviews that he did to explain himself after that it it didn't make it any better for the explanation on the in fact i think it made it worse no he dug himself a hole and i don't know if you're a nebraska fan how you feel about him saying that since you haven't had that much success, especially in in the the last few years, but then he goes on these podcasts and it's it he took that hole and just kept digging deeper and deeper. The more he would talk, I think he just dug in and said, "You know what? I'm going to own it and and go for it." Um, he dug a I, foxhole by the time it, he was done. It was it was, it was a foxhole. <laughs> I think he made it out alive too. So good for him. Uh, Scott Docterman uh, with The Athletic, who obviously writes primarily about Iowa football, he uh, he got he got active on Twitter. It was basically Scott Docterman versus all of Nebraska Twitter uh, for about yes. 72 hours. I, I mean, he hung in and, there. And it was fun. It, it was fun to watch. But there was a reading comprehension that wasn't taking place, I feel like, with his tweets, with Scott Docterman's tweets. Uh by Scott Docterman or by people that were reading his tweets, people that were reading his tweets. Yeah. The one, th- the one thing I would say, I mean, obviously we've had Scott on the podcast. Uh, hope to have him on again. Um, he maybe affixed a little bit too much blame of the entire Big Ten West being down because of Nebraska, and I don't think he really mm-hmm. meant it that way, but it it maybe was received <laughs> that way. Uh, well, maybe was... he should go on a podcast and double down. That's that's what you do. Yell at clouds and, and double down foxhole. Um, you know, I mean, essentially, and, and by the way, certainly it was mostly Iowa fans who got riled up. 
But me and you had a we had a DM with an Illinois fan. I had Minnesota fans DMing me. There was Minnesota fan. I mean, it wasn't just Iowa. It was other Big Ten West fans that oh, were yeah. getting riled up. I mean, essentially, you, you know, like I saw a lot of Nebraska fans saying, "We don't get an opinion of the Big Ten West just because we're not good." No, that's you. You get an opinion. It's it's a free country, free app to to talk about what you want. So that's certainly not it. It's just. There seemed to be not as much ownership in the whole slummy situation. And of course, this always kind of harkens back to rival fan bases of Nebraska feel like even after the last four or five pretty rough years for Nebraska, they still we still feel like they look down their noses at us, you know, disgusting Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota fans. Um, I don't know. That's that was the missing part that I felt like Nebraska fans weren't taking into account during during the three four day feud. There there may have been something overlooked by some Nebraska fans. <laughs> and with that being with that being said, there were a ton of Nebraska fans that I saw comment. A couple that DM'd me saying this just should not be the 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 battle we're picking right now, but. Yeah. You know, so it was nice to hear it from them. Uh, like I said, it's it's kind of uh, uh, flared up and, and went back out. But uh, anyways, I, I wonder I wonder if Chattel's still in that foxhole. Just just sniping somebody whenever he feels like he needs to jump out and do it. All right, that will get us Hopefully. in. Go ahead. Nothing? Okay. So that will get us into the meat of the podcast. What we're going to do is just take an alphabetical uh, swing through the Big Ten West, um, we didn't really talk about it before, but I'll let you start out with Illinois, um, and then we'll just kind of go back and forth. Do you want to do you do best case, I do best case, or do you want to just go through all of Illinois best and worst, and then I'll go through Illinois best and worst? Yeah, I'll go through Illinois best and worst um, to start it off. So okay. to me, for them to have an excellent season, Luke Altmeyer has to be not just a good quarterback, but he has to be an excellent quarterback. They're not going to have the same running game they've had in the past. I do like Josh McCray. I think Reggie Love is solid, but those guys aren't going to be, you know, they're not going to be in the probably in the top half of running back duos. We know they've got some weapons at wide receiver, but nothing crazy. So to me, it's got to be Luke Altmeyer having a really high ceiling. And in addition to that, the offensive line keeping them really clean. The thing that so they're going to have to stretch the field more than they did last year, which means they're going to have to hold their blocks longer than they right. did last year. They never had to hold their blocks more than a couple seconds last year because Tommy would get the ball out. So it's going to re- require improved offensive line play, a, a better quarterback situation, which was still pretty solid last year to take the heat off of those running backs. So I, I think. You could improve on last year's eight and five, but maybe only by I'm gonna go like nine and three as my ceiling there. Ceiling. Okay. Do you care if I just jump in with the positive sure, go stuff? For it. We'll go. Okay. You nailed it. I mean, you literally hit everything I hit. I I figured you would talk about the offensive line, but it, it takes the offensive line going up because as much as I think you've got talent in the backfield, it it's it it's not the talent that you had with Chase Brown last year and then Altmeyer because Dude, I've got all the confidence in the world with the defense. Sure, the secondary's got holes to fill, but I, I still don't know if people understand how good the front seven is going to be for Illinois this year. And when you have that much confidence in the front seven, you have confidence 
in the whole team as far as I look at it. So, and then you, you know, you look at the schedule real quick, because this could get us into ceiling or floor. It, it is a tougher than people realize start of the schedule. Toledo was a nine and five team last year. They're they're not bad. And then you go to Kansas. Yep. And this ain't this ain't your slightly older brother's Kansas. This is a much better Kansas team. No, I agree. But the on the flip side of that is there's really no automatic loss on this schedule. I would I don't think there's an automatic loss. The hardest one for me is that third game versus Penn State, but you get Penn they State get them at home. home. So yeah. So it is, I mean, to me, best case scenario is. Altmeyer is good. The rushing attack is pretty darn good. The defense is the defense. I went 10 and 2 as the ceiling because it's hard for me to look at Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and not pick out two losses out of that group. But I think I think 10 and 2 is is possible for them. And I would in order to do that, I think so. You got a couple guys you can really trust in the secondary. You know, we lost lost three NFLers back there. I think a couple other guys really need to step up too. Correct. But if in the in the typical Big Ten West, which could lead into a couple predictions down the line, your secondary being weak is not necessarily what gets you. So hopefully what it is is it gives, you know, if it's a if it's a on the ceiling side of things, you got this you give the secondary time to kind of develop. Go ahead and do worst case scenario. Yeah, so worst case scenario uh is the your offensive line is not great at pass blocking, not, you know, no better than they were last year. So uh, the defense gets to Altmeyer. Altmeyer is just kind of a serviceable quarterback. Uh, so then you can kind of focus in on stopping the run. The offense churns to a halt, maybe some, some, uh, so the defense, the front seven, the starters are fantastic, but then, you know, as is the case with any team like Illinois, not, not a front runner is the depth is going to be an issue. So, you know, Johnny Newton, we all know, is my favorite player on the defense. What if he gets injured? Uh, Keith Randolph is another one. What if he gets injured? Gabe Ackes, you name it. So just injuries, I guess. So I, I would say the lowest I could go, and by the way, at Kansas is, like you mentioned, tough game. At Maryland, that's a tough game. Yep. At Minnesota. So I think you're going to – you'll probably beat Toledo. You got Florida Atlantic on there. I don't think – I don't see them going less than four wins here. I think – Four to five wins. I'll go four and eight as as the floor here. I got the same floor as you. Four and eight. Um, I forgot to mention. You know, I looked at the first seven games: Toledo, Kansas, Penn State, Florida Atlantic, Purdue, Nebraska, and Maryland. I mean, is six and one possible? Yes, but I tell you what, that that first game versus Toledo, that's only a ten yeah. point spread. I'm not that's saying right. the whole season jumps on that game. Do not get me wrong. I'm just saying, get yourself ready to play Toledo. You don't want to be 0-1 and then go on the road. uh, On a Friday night. On a Friday night to play at Kansas and then turn around and have Penn State. So, like, (laughs) that that, those first three games are are huge. And then suddenly at Purdue, at Maryland, maybe Nebraska's looking better. It is crazy to me how much Illinois' season could flip-flop after just the first two games or so and and seeing how all these teams look and, and by the way you hit on literally it was almost like you read off my sheet thin is the is the only major issue i have with illinois so i would say the top two guys that you need to stay healthy are, are juice newton and altmeyer um so if those two go down now all of a sudden the offense 
is relying too much on a rushing attack and an old line that's just not ready to to do it yet. So I've got the same floor, four and eight. But I want you to I, – I almost for a second there did a really compact floor and ceiling of like six and six, nine and three. Because when you have a front seven that is that good, it's yeah. it's really hard for me to see them do any worse than five and seven. Four and eight's the lowest I could go. Um, and by the way, I'm a I'm a swing grader. I, I I am I am all the way up, all the way down. Uh, so if you are a fan of one of these teams and I put your floor way too low, I'm. I personally believe I'm doing it for everybody, but you know, if you want to light me up on Twitter, go for it. One more thing I'll say, let's say they do lose Johnny Newton. They still have three other really high producing guys on the front five. I agree. I just think he's such a difference. I know he is. Okay. So let's maybe not, maybe that's not the greatest. Let's say they lose Keith Randolph. They can probably sustain that, but losing two of those guys, two of the four really you know, really high producers coming back on the front five, that'd be tough. I just think offensive line coaches, not O coordinators, they they look at Juice in the film and say, what are we Johnny. doing to Jenny just to 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 neutralize this person as much we can? Absolutely. And so Absolutely. to me, if you lose a difference maker like that, not not saying I wish it would happen, just saying that would be the big deal. Okay, moving on to the next team, as the alphabet tells us, the Iowa Hawkeyes. So best case scenario, I've got it pretty high. I I almost went 10 and 2. I did wind up going 11 and 1. But if somebody went 10 and 2, I wouldn't fight them too much on that. I I can almost guarantee you when I pick Iowa to uh for for our picks when we get serious about it at the end of the summer. I'm not picking Iowa uh to go 11 and 1. Um at Iowa State, Penn State, at Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, at Nebraska, 1 2 3 4 5. That's six games right there. That are tough. Okay. However, I just like how it would look, how if, if Iowa is going 11 1, it's pretty simple. The defense looks like how the Iowa defense has looked for the last year or two. Maybe it barely misses a step from that unit last year. And oh my gosh, the, the, the offense is pretty good. Not great. I, even at the ceiling expectations, I'm not saying a great offense, but what I'm saying is a rushing attack that is good and then a passing attack that's efficient off of that to me suddenly this is a extremely formidable team to pair up with the third part of the team which is the special teams which has looked good for Iowa for the past four or five years so that's how it would look like at the ceiling level of things yeah we sh- we sh- have to mention the special teams because you know those are going to be solid yeah the defense Every year, there's no way they're going to replace all this. Yes, they're going to replace it. They'll be just fine. So, yeah, to me, it comes back to Cade Matt. You know what? Actually, here's what it really comes back to. The offensive line. Yes. Does the offensive line play well? We haven't seen a good Iowa offensive line in a few years now. So if they play well, I have confidence that McNamara and the new weapons around him and their running game will be fine. And then they can go. I think I'm going to back off of 11 and one and say 10 and two. I just, I'm looking at, at Penn state at Wisconsin at Nebraska. Those are Illinois. You know, yeah. Okay. Yep. Illinois as well. So you, you've got the three big rivalry games. We'll throw Iowa state in their four rivalry games. Yep. It's just hard to go 11 and one with all that in your schedule. Yep. Um, but at the two. same, but at the same time, you look at the first part of the schedule 
Utah State, Iowa State, Western Michigan. They're going to be favored to be 3-0 and after playing those three teams. Let's just go ahead and give them a loss at Penn State, okay? Michigan State, Purdue. I, I mean, again, the way I see things looking, they're favored to go 5-1. and one. It's that Wisconsin game <laughs> right there yep. on the road. That is the big swing game for the season. If they you know, potentially won all those games and then won that Wisconsin game, I think they, they are heading down the path at this point. I, I'm I'm debating if I should have went 10-2 and two or 11-1. I might have shown my hawkdom a little too much there. For worst-case scenario, I've got 5-7. and seven. Kind of like what I was talking about with Illinois. Um, when you have a front seven that's as good as Illinois, it just gives you confidence. When you have what is pretty much an entire defense that I believe is going to be pretty good with Iowa, it's just hard for me to see them dipping under five and seven when you couple that, even with a bad offense that will probably take care of the, of the ball. It, and it's just hard to beat Iowa. Good defense, good special teams taking care of the ball. However, what happens if the defense isn't great? Okay. What happens if it's just pretty darn good and they miss Jack Campbell way more than anybody's given him credit for? What happens if the thin secondary? has one or two injuries in it. We saw at the end of the year what that looked like. And then, of course, what happens if the offense really isn't any better? I think what it would look like is a a little bit like it did last year, except maybe a little bit worse because the defense isn't quite good enough to literally carry them to two or three wins like they did last year. Okay, Uh, this has bitten me before, but I'm going to Tom Shaddle this one, and I'm going to double down on it. And say the their offense will be better because it can't possibly be worse. Yes, I, I'm I'm going there again. So I think it will be better. I don't care if their defense doesn't look like a typical Iowa defense. Still going to be good. Uh, special teams still going to be good. I don't see them going less than six and six. Okay, no matter All what right. happens. Okay, fair enough. All right, Minnesota Golden Gophers, go ahead. All right, well the Golden Gophers. Um, so let's see. So. One of the things I've really been disappointed with with PJ lately. Hey, we're starting best case scenario here. I know. Is the wide receiver room. So for them to have a good, and not just wide receiver, I'll just say passing game in general has been disappointing. So I'll say to for them to have a really good year, they got to maintain what they have been doing on defense and solid special teams play. But then they need to jump back to where they've been in the past offensively, and they need to start throwing the football, and they need to probably stop playing as conservative. I, we hear Gopher fans bitch about this. I, most of the time I'm on PJ's side, but I think for them to have a great season and win the West, he's got to open it up and start slinging it a little bit more. And is is Ethan Kaliak Manis that guy? So I think um, all those things fall into place. I don't think they're quite at the Iowa level. In terms of roster, so I can't go any higher than nine and three here. I think uh, that sound you heard, that snapping sound you heard, uh, was Minnesota fans breaking their neck, nodding uh, when you were talking about how Minnesota needs to be more aggressive on offense. I've maybe even read that a few times from somebody that covers uh, Minnesota. I, I, I think you're going to see that because they have to. I do not think. They're going to be able to have the lean on you offensive line and especially our guy Mo. Could that be something that winds up actually benefiting them? 
because it forces them to put the ball in what I believe is a talented quarterback's hands in Ethan Kaliagmanis, and they get there. And suddenly the offense just looks a little bit more 2019-y, and the defense is what Joe Rossi has been doing on the defense. With that being said, uh, with how tough that schedule is, which me thinks we're going to get into here in a little bit, I got the same as you. The highest I can see Minnesota getting is 9-3. and three. Go ahead, worst case scenario. Okay, worst case scenario is none of that stuff happens offensively, <laughs> right? Yeah. And they're looking not even Minnesota-y, but more Iowa-y on offense. And and they do also take a step back defensively. But I just can't – I can't go – super low here because I trust PJ too much and I trust Joe Rossi too much. And uh, I, I I don't see them going less than four and eight. We're, we're in agreement again. Uh, I've got four and eight as the uh, uh, floor for them as well. And I, I think Minnesota fans are going to hear that and be upset with us. Uh, most fans are going to be upset with where they have, we have their, their floor, but no mo mo that could be a gigantic issue and omg have you looked at their schedule so you want to win that first game okay you want to talk about a dark cloud that could be hanging over the football program for the entire month of september it's losing that first game at home to a semi-rival nebraska when that coaching staff and players are on their first year in the system now, Eastern Michigan, okay, I would expect a win there. I would expect a win versus Louisiana, but I don't need to say this to Gopher fans. Have we not seen them lose those games quite a yeah. bit in the past? And then mixed in between there at North Carolina versus well, one that, of the best quarterbacks in the country. That's like, going to be a brutal game. That is a, a tough game right there. So, I mean, do I think they'll start two and three? No. I think they will be three and two at worst, but get your helmet screwed on for two or three of those games. And then, oh, by the way, Michigan at Iowa, Illinois at Purdue at Ohio State, yeah. Wisconsin. This is an extremely challenging schedule. Now, I am a big believer that the the your record is it's it's more about how good you are or not or are are you're not as far as how the year goes but when you got a schedule looking back at you like that oof, that's that's a scary situation right there brutal the eyes on big podcast is sponsored by the amateur whiskey company our unique process takes the highest quality kentucky bourbon and finishes in california wine barrels this double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail amador is the perfect go-to this summer amador whiskey company born in kentucky raised in california and available in iowa go get yourself some bourbon all right next up the nebraska Cornhuskers, a team we just kind of touched on a little bit uh and best case scenario is definitely going to start with a win versus minnesota if there is going to be a best case scenario for nebraska so i don't know who that game matters more to in the grand scheme of things nebraska or minnesota but Wow, do we have a huge game that Thursday night, not only for the Big Ten West, but for both of these teams. And then what does it look like if it's good? 
what it's going to look like if it's good is this rule un unleashes the talent we believe there has been better talent on the roster the past two three four years that the previous guy could ever unlock to get going heck just a little bit of coaching from a different staff last year and i believe nebraska looked better and that staff isn't as talented at pulling out uh, uh, good play from his players than Matt Rule. So a lot of it comes down to Matt Rule for me and then Jeff Sims. Jeff Sims has to be good, maybe great, and probably the biggest thing is he has to stay healthy, and then suddenly that unlocks a rushing attack that looks better, an offensive line that looks better, which, by the way, also has to stay healthy, and then Tony White's defense, new to the Big Ten, is not an issue for Tony White. It's more of an issue for the Big Ten offenses facing it. It creates the chaos and havoc that Nebraska fans want it to be. Suddenly you look up and Nebraska goes through their first games, okay? Let's say they beat Minnesota. Brother, I think Colorado is is going to be awful. I'm, I'm going to go on record as saying that. I Deion Sanders is, oh, it's exciting. I, I I think they're going to be putrid. So suddenly you look and it's if they again, I'm I'm assuming a win at Minnesota, Colorado, Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech. If they beat Minnesota, I would expect them to be to be foreign. Oh, now beating Michigan, I don't that is a tough stretch for them. Michigan at Illinois. Yikes, that is that is hard. But then they can rebound Northwestern Purdue, Michigan State. Maryland at home, pick up some momentum, pull off the upset at Wisconsin. You've got the division in your hands. You beat Iowa for the second year in a row. I've got 10 and two as the ceiling. I like the picture that you painted there. It's possible. And one thing, one thing, one reason I think it's possible is it is a really manageable schedule here. You know, they, they do get Michigan, but I, I think they can compete with everyone else on their schedule. Um, and maybe even Michigan they can compete with. The problem I have is new systems is one. Jeff Sims, you're saying, needs to have a fantastic year. I don't know that he can do that. And offensive line, or just I'll just I'll say the line of scrimmage, period. But, but before, can before you, we get down to the second part, what do you have for their ceiling? Well, okay, there's, I'm going to go eight and four as they're sailing. I just can't see okay. them going more than eight wins. So this is kind of your explanation for the eight and four, and then go ahead and just fold it right into the to the to the floor as well. I mean, I would say you got so you got at Colorado. Agree with you. Colorado is going to be absolute dog shit. Um, Northern Illinois should beat Louisiana Tech should beat, and I I'm see they're going to win at least one more. So I got to go four. Four and eight is their floor. Eight and four ceiling. Four and eight is the floor. And and obviously sometimes with these teams, when you when you talk about the positives that you need to see, it piggybacks right onto the things where if those things don't happen, it it folds into what the negative is. So I, I understand what you're getting at here. I have the exact same floor as you do. Four and eight. And I'm sure some people might think, but they've been four and eight, three and seven, or three three and nine the past couple years. And that's with a coaching staff that's been with them. So now yeah. you think they'll, they're, you know, could their floor be lower? I, I just don't see it because I think yeah. Rule is that much better of a coach than than old Frosty. And and then the other part is the schedule. Like again, Col at Colorado, Northern Illinois, Louisiana Tech, Northwestern. 
it is really difficult for for me to see them not win those games and then add one more. So four and eight's the the lowest I can go. And and if they get there, I just don't have a ton of confidence that Sims is that accurate or healthy. Accuracy and health is 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 the major concerns that I've picked up that Georgia Tech fans had for for who he is as a player. And in order for him to be great, he needs to run the football too, which means he's more likely to get injured. Behind an offensive line that also has had a hard time staying healthy. That is another thing. If Sims isn't the one throwing the ball with his legs, right? Manufacturing plays. I'm not sure the receivers are anything that scares people all that much. I've got some faith with the defense. The secondary is is really good. The linebackers are good. Um, the D-line scares me a lot. Uh, I know there's talent, Nebraska fans. I see you. Uh, the young talent is the issue. So we've got upperclassmen that have just never wowed me mixed in with young guys that we've never seen. So I'm not saying they're not going to be good someday. I'm not even saying they're not going to have flashes this year. But to expect that young defensive line to hold up versus this schedule for the rest of the year is going to be a a tough sell for me. All right, we'll go with your in-state rival, Northwestern. Boy, Northwestern. Okay. Been a tough go, NU. Or are they NW? We're going to find out this year. Um, So for them to reach reach a ceiling this year, they've got it. They've got to refine that magic that they've had. And part of that magic is, I, I think the biggest key for me is David Braun, defensive coordinator. Can he be the second coming of Mike Hankwitz? Now, this is the third defensive coordinator in four years. But, I mean, that is that is how Northwestern rolled when they were doing well. So if he comes in and makes that defense look immediately better, and they get some pretty solid quarterback back play whoever that's going to be right. in the quarterback room but they also need to find a playmaker somewhere else on offense so i those things all need to happen and if that happens i mean you got okay you got at Rutgers, which by the way that's not a great way to start the year it is not traveling to the east coast so i mean there's definitely winnable games here utep Rutgers, duke howard you got a bunch of winnable games but i just don't see you getting up into that upper division of the West this year. So I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go eight and four is going to be my, my best case scenario. Okay. Everything goes right. Again, David Braun, is he, does he rekindle the wizardry? This does. I I tell you what, if, if Northwestern goes eight and four, we might have an actual Gandalf. Like (laughs) he might start the year as Gandalf the gray and and end as Gandalf the white as the defensive coordinator. Eight and four was never in contention for me. It was either six and six bull contention or seven and five. So I guess I wasn't that much uh, crazy different from you. I I went seven and five. Could be my PTSD creeping back in on me. It's never really going to be gone for the rest of your life. You got some of the same stuff. I mean, obviously the defense refines what it used to be under Hankwitz and Pat Fitzgerald. And then quarterback Ben Bryant, who is the transfer from Cincinnati, essentially he needs to be darn near a revelation. And then on top of all of that, an improved defense 
a quarterback that suddenly is making plays, they have got to absolutely crush the turnover battle. They have to still do that on top of it to make up for the lack of playmakers on the outside. It's going to be the Northwestern that we've seen before where suddenly they're hanging around and hanging around and they get that big turnover in the fourth quarter, pick up the momentum and steal wins. That's what it's got to look like. And it might have to look like that about six times other than Howard to get to those seven wins. (laughs) So Um, worst case, worst case scenario. Okay, worst case scenario. So you you do have Howard, as you mentioned. Yeah, you've got also got UTEP at Duke. That's not an easy game at all. So I think the absolute bottom for them is going to be two and ten. Okay, and that's basically David Braun being no better than the last guy. That's the the quarterback not producing any better than the last guy. I still think everything goes wrong. They still win two games. Everything went wrong last year, and they won one. Um, I got one eleven as the floor. I mean, if, if you did it last year, you've shown me that winning that few of games as possible. I still don't see the athleticism on the perimeter. I, I just don't know what I'm going to get out of the, the new defensive schemes and staffs until I seen them. So I'm very much a prove it situation. And we, you know, I think Ben Bryant is definitely their best option at a quarterback, but it's just another question mark, you know, like what does he look like? playing in a different league and, and everything like that. Did he have better athletes to throw to at Cincinnati? I I bet he did. Okay, so like all of those things. And then, like you pointed out, starting at Rutgers, this is not a, you know, you don't just roll your helmet out and win on the road if you're playing anybody, but certainly starting a conference game on the road on the East Coast. UTEP was 5-7 and seven last year, and they got a ton of guys back from what I quickly looked at. At Duke, so at Rutgers home and then right back on the road versus a nine and four Duke team that returns their playmakers. Like they're not going to be favored to win that game. And then, oh my gosh, Minnesota, Penn State. Okay, you got Howard in there at Nebraska. That's on the road. Maryland at home. Iowa at Wisconsin. Purdue at Illinois. I. It is possible that they're only favored in two games and. I don't know. I, 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 as far as if, you know, if I'm a Northwestern fan, I, I hope I'm wrong, but this looks like a very, very difficult schedule for Northwestern. Well, and we've seen them, we've seen them lose to a UTEP before, not specifically to UTEP, but we've seen them lose those games. I mean, it was an F- FCS team last yes. year. Okay. Well, so they've, I, they've lost to, to Indiana State in the past. I, so if you can lose to them, you can, you can lose at home to UTEP. You, you don't, you're trying saying. to tell me that. Yeah. Texas El Paso doesn't have some talent around the town to bring up into Evanston. So I would say pretty much every game on here is scary. And in fact, if they start out one, two, three, uh, oh, and four or an oh, and five, suddenly that Howard game looks pretty scary as well, because you don't want to be looking down the barrel of an offer. All right. That moves us on to the defending Big Ten West champions, the Purdue Boilermakers. Okay. This one, I don't know about you. Big Kurt, I struggled with Purdue more than any team in this entire breakdown of this. Um, Why? Uh, Because this will apply to both sides that we're going to do, ceiling and floor, and every single breakdown that we're going to do until I find a Purdue insider that actually has some sort of knowledge on what is going on inside Purdue. But we have got a rookie coach, okay, 
that's starting out. Okay. Now, what I have heard, because we're starting on the positive side of things, it sounds like Hudson Card has been dealing. It sounds like he's looking good. So I'm assuming that for the ceiling. I'm also assuming our guy Devin Mockaby stays healthy and busts people up. We have seen him have good games. So basically, that's the offense. We've got enough talent on the perimeter, along with a good quarterback and uh, running back, that it unlocks the offense to be good. It's not going to look like it has under Brom, but it's going to be good. And then you mix it with a defense being coached by a guy that showed what he could do in this uh, division and conference last year. And essentially that all mixes together. And and now my, my ceiling might upset the three Purdue fans that are listening to the podcast, but even with all that going down, the ceiling I got is, is seven and five. And what we're going to get at, I think is, is the schedule here pretty quick. Okay. Um, also, if it looks great, to me, it really comes down to coaching. Is Graham, does Graham Harold, does he look like a genius? Is Does he scheme it up, you know, different scheme that we're not really used to seeing in the Big Ten West? I could see that being a problem. And at the same time, Ryan Walters, who, who quarterbacked the greatest defense in the country last year, was he the reason that that defense was so good? And does that translate immediately over to Purdue? So, for me, their best case scenario means we see great coaching. That is because I, I don't see, yeah, I don't see really. Hudson Card is great, but they they've lost tons of receiving. Threat. They don't have a whole lot on the no. outside, no. so he's got to scheme it up. I love Devin Mockaby. That's going to help a lot. And, and um, let me just build on. So you know, co- great coaching. It's what you're talking about is great coordinating. And I think that is an excellent point. You're being specific there. And I, I think that's a great point. Yeah. And, and Kevin Kane as the coordinator now, he, was he a big reason that Illinois was great last year too? So if you look at the schedule at Virginia tech, I know not, they're not a high performing program r- right now, but you, it's not an easy place to go on, on the road and play. You do have Ohio state in the schedule. You do have Michigan. Everything goes right. I could see them. And you're at Iowa. I think the ceiling here is eight and four. Okay. Okay. I but th- but that means again that means they're doing a great job. They're busting th- a grape coaching. They are they are killing it if they get to eight and four. For worst case scenario, Purdue fans. All right, let's jump in the ugly pond. I got two and ten for 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 the floor. And if you want to talk about how, what happens if Ryan Walters was more of a success because of. Brett Bulma. Uh, yep. and, and I, I don't think I'm putting words in Illinois uh, fans mouths when I say they, many of them think that's what it is. Obviously I'll let you talk here in just a, a little bit. So what, this is a rookie coach. Okay. I, even if you are, even if you were the 90% of the reason why that defense was good last year, you're a rookie coach and, and there is just so much to learn on the job even. And, and he's, it's not like he has spent a ton of time in the big 10, you know? So like it's a rookie on top of rookie and then, Oh brother, where art thou that schedule? Okay. Kurt. I mean, I don't know how much you dug into this Fresno state. They they were 10 and four last year and they return a lot at Virginia tech. They weren't great. No, that's going into Blacksburg to play a football contest and then Syracuse, okay? Syracuse, bowl team last year, okay? So 
do I think they go 0-3 versus that schedule? No. Do I think they could go 0-3 versus that schedule? Yes. Let's just say 1-2 and for argument's sake. What do they have after that? Wisconsin, Illinois, at Iowa, Ohio State. Sweet baby Jesus. That is a tough schedule. Then two straight road games at Nebraska, at Michigan, and then your final kick, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Indiana. And and Indiana's one of the easier games on your schedule, but it's a rival. So I got 2-10, and and I don't think I'm a Purdue Boilermaker hater when I say that that's a possibility. Yeah, so let's start with Ryan Walters. I've been really pleasantly surprised at the spiciness that Illini Nation has had towards Ryan Walters. I mean, it's like he just handed you the best defense you've seen in your You're lifetime. You're dead to me. You're dead and, to me. Oh, he's, he is. He's already dead to a lot of them. I mean, I'm personally cheering for the guy as long as he's not playing Illinois. Hope he does well. Here's one of the biggest things. Back to the coaching. You got air raid and offense. You got that defense. Is that really... Did those two play well together with one another? I don't know. I can't say. I can't come We've up never with many. Seen. I can't come up with many examples no. where it has. No, exactly. And I could come up with even less of that working in the Big Ten Conference. Right. So that's to me where it could all go wrong. And I, I see what you're saying in the two and ten, but yeah, Fresno's going to be tough. Virginia Tech's not going to be easy. I just see too many winnable games here. For them to only win two, so I'm gonna go three and nine on the floor. Okay, a little bit higher. Um, and with you know, so you're you're at Northwestern, you got Indiana, to, so two games to finish up the year. I think you can at least get three wins here. Here's even the, deal. If the, the wheels I, fall off. I don't think they're going eight and four. I don't think they're going two and ten. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I mean, yeah. they could very easily start out two and one. Heck, they could start out three and zero. Oh. Sure. You know, you beat Fresno State at home, and and you go into a struggling Virginia Tech. You're you're looking right at three and zero. Oh. Obviously, if they go two and one, uh, I don't think they're going to go two and ten. If they go three and zero, oh, they're certainly not going to go two and ten. But uh, kind of like Illinois, September and getting things going is as important for Purdue as there is anybody in the conference. All right, last team up alphabetically is obviously Wisconsin. Big Kurt, go ahead. Well, as we know, Luke Fickle is the new demigod of <laughs> yes. the Big Ten Conference. Are we are so we are we official with that? He is call. demigod 3.0. And so he will come in and immediately dominate this conference. He will not need to to you know to get a running start. He's just gonna hit the ground at full speed and he's gonna start plowing over defenses with his spread offensive scheme right yeah with a with a that running back back there that fits perfectly into a spread offense i'm kind of being sarcastic I, they'll do fine with with allen back there but then tanner mordecai he's gonna have to protect the ball for them to ha- have an excellent season they do have a lot of talent they do have a lot of talent that they brought in and i i do think you could have an outstanding i i could see them winning the west uh, looking at their schedule, though, give me a second here. Scrolling, so you got a really manageable non-conference helps out, but you do have Ohio State. I still don't think you get. I think you 
I think you trip up at least one more time. I'm going to go 10 and two as the ceiling for Wisconsin. Okay. You, they can do it. I'm not expecting it by the way, but it is possible. Yeah. Um, the fickle effect is real. Uh, the demigod, as you say. So I got that. Um, the defense, not only fine without Jimmy Leon hard, it's just, it's just darn good. Again, it's a, it's it's tradition is is soaked into the Wisconsin defense so much that even with the new defensive coordinator and Trestle, they're just good again because you want to know why because that's what Wisconsin does they they play good defense and then we always joke that Tanner Mordecai kind of has a name that sounds like a magician that's what he is he just deals he makes big plays yeah a couple picks here and there but he always makes up for it with an explosive sixty yard bomb that just blows your mind because you're not, you're not used to seeing that out of a Wisconsin offense. And then because there's stress put on the back seven, Oh boy, that big offensive line. What is that's still there suddenly opens things up for Braylon Allen and, and uh, your boy Che Louis and those two run wild. They suddenly look like the best one, two punch uh, at running back in a very tough to be the best one, two punch big 10. Um, and then you look at the schedule. Buffalo, they're okay. Okay. Seven and six last year. At Washington State, yeah, you know, seven and six last year. They do have their their trio back, quarterback, running back, wide receiver. Georgia Southern, six and seven. They got a win versus the Big Ten West last year. But then it's it's not crazy to think Wisconsin will start three and oh. Then suddenly at Purdue, Rutgers. Kurt, is it crazy to look at those five games and think that they're five and zero in those games? It is not. They'll be favored in all five of those games, and then you get Iowa at home. They're six and zero right there. Tough for me to see them winning both games at Illinois and Ohio State. Okay, like I expect them to lose versus Ohio State. That is a perfect spot, by the way. To catch the Badgers in in my mind, uh, Big Kurt for Illinois getting them at home before Ohio State. But let's say they split those two games, then you're finishing out with at Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska, and at Minnesota. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. I know, and I'm mad at myself for saying it. But the ceiling I got for Wisconsin's eleven and one. Wow! Don't expect it. It's kind of like Iowa that is really having everything go right. But it's there. It's it's possible. Okay, so on the flip side of that, Mike Tressel turns out to not be a Jimmy Leon hard. Uh, the new schemes, maybe they're they're going to be good someday, but that day is not today. You did great in the G five, but this is now you're playing the big boys. So it just things take a little longer to take hold. Tanner Mordecai is still fumbling around, throwing the ball to the defense constantly. So I think it's going to be somewhere in between. I don't think it's going to look terrible. I don't think it's going to look like 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one either. But then just looking down the schedule, there's too many winnable games to go too low here. Um, and I think there's just too much talent to go too low here. So I think even if it looks kind of, you know, nasty, plotting, not fun, there's nothing, nothing feels good. I still think they go six and six and go to a bowl game. Could have said it better myself. I'll, I'll still try though, but I got six and six as the ceiling as well. Um, now, by the way, when you saw those big 10 win totals and Wisconsin's was quite a bit higher 
than everybody else's. You dig in a little bit and you can see where Vegas is coming from because it's a schedule that you're looking at. So for me, the ceiling is six and six and how would even be quote unquote that bad? Cause I would actually call that, excuse me. I would actually call that mediocre. The mediocre six and six would come from essentially just two things. Tanner Mordecai turns the ball over and we saw Tanner Mordecai not only turn the ball over in the spring game, he did it versus, you know, decent defenses whenever he was facing P5 defenses or just better defenses in his lower division. So it's not crazy to think that's the Tanner Mordecai we actually see more often than not. And then on the other side, oh, what's that? Jimmy Leonard? Leon Hard was good at coordinating defenses and just glossing over the loss of that guy as your defensive coordinator is actually quite a big deal. That's the two things right there. A, a, a stuck offense because it's not what it has been with a quarterback that turns it over and the defense just isn't great. I still think it would be pretty good, but not great. Boom. There you go. And here's, here's another and, one. And another, another one I would throw in. Yep. It's not like, it's not like Allen. I don't, again, I don't wish this on anybody. Their running backs have not stayed healthy for the most part. Yeah, so that is another thing. Another one though, where I, I know it's not probably going to be true air raid, but air raidy and then trying to play a dominant defense again. It, it, this is just going to be fun to watch. I think Purdue and Wisconsin are going to be two of the more interesting teams in the conference this year. I mean, you look at that. What, what are we getting out of Wisconsin? What are we getting out of Purdue? What are we getting out of Nebraska? Like all three of those teams are, yep. are, are uh, wild cards. And then by the way, I expect Illinois, Iowa and Minnesota to look quite a bit like they have, but aren't we yep. kind of expecting tweaks a little bit with each one of these offenses that we covered tonight? So, and by the way, so how that all mixed together is it's a fun division. It's not slummy. And by the way, where are you going to have more fun in that snooty gated community or hanging out with the fun people in the slums? Where would you rather party on a Saturday night, Kurt? Right. What's what's more fun, a wine and cheese party or a kegger? Exactly. Everybody wants to go to a kegger. Nobody cares if you puke on the front yard or pass out in front of everybody before the party's over. We're having fun here, and we're going to wake up and do it the next Saturday, man. This That's how it should be. I, I don't know. I've enjoyed slumming. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna. I and we'll talk about it some other time. But I'll miss my. I'll, I'll miss my slum. Although there'll be parts of the slummy situation that maybe uh, I'll be excited to see come to end. All right, you got anything else you want to add? No, that's it. Thanks for joining me. I know it was the uh, schedule is a little bit difficult uh, for you. And then for you listeners, thank you for listening. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon.